Well, to be honest with you folks, when I came to this passage, we're going to look at uh, verses 13 through 17 today in chapter 2, I really wanted to skip over this passage. I don't normally do that, but I did. Why? Why, George, did you want to skip over that? We need to hear God's word. Well, I'll be honest with you, we live in a very awkward time in our country right now. Um, you know, it used to be politics was something that people would just kind of talk about in general, and we were pretty civil with each other. We live in an age now where there is no civility in politics. And you know that from just getting in a family gathering. Before, oh, you know, Uncle Bill, Uncle Jojo, whatever his name is, and, you know, he might have a different point of view, but you tolerated it. Oh, that's him, you know, whatever. He believes that, wonderful, great. And he tolerated you, And but now when you get together in a family function or something, it's like all-out war. How? Why could you believe that? I mean, I, even I, I have relatives who live overseas, and they, I have, they call me up and say, you didn't vote for him, did you? Uh, was this ever an issue before? I mean, I, I mean, seriously, I, I don't tell people how I vote. Sure, I'm not going to tell my relatives overseas. I don't think I even voted the last time. So, I mean, but, you know, the reality is we live in a weird time, and especially for Christians. Because you have so-called Christian leaders telling you you should do this, so-called Christian leaders telling you to do this, and, and, and you're like, what do I do? How do I respond? How do I act in this time? How do we act? Well, the Bible has a lot to say. And actually, we're going to look at a passage today that says a lot, and to be honest with you, as I was reading it, even though I didn't want to share it with you today, I realized the way we're acting today, we're ignoring what God says in his word. And that he had an awful lot to say about how we're to function in society. And we need to remember that the society that he's writing about functioning in was more oppressive than anything that we could ever think of in our country. Where people worshipped Caesar as God and was very anti-Christian. And when you understand that, you realize what he's saying, how you and I should live, in light of that, why do we need to live that way? Because again, we're sojourners, we're only here temporarily, and the way that we live our lives reflects on something. In fact, what we're going to look at today is actually a series of things that he says about how we're to function. What do you mean a series of things? Well, he talks about, well, first of all, it goes back to, if you look with me at First Peter chapter 12, he says, having your conduct honorable among Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. What's he talking about? Well, we have this testimony that we're to have before unbelievers so that when ultimately when Jesus comes back they have to acknowledge that you were doing right and then from there he starts off going through different relationships that we have and how we're to act so today we're going to talk about society the next relationship after that are you ready for that is husband and wives 
how you are with your husband and how you are with your wife is a testimony. Next relationship after that? Slave-master. Well, we don't have slaves and masters today, George. Well, have you talked to anybody who works? Ask them how they're feeling lately. Feel like a slave. You know, the boss is on my case. Then there's the relationship between what? Parent and child. He gets into specific relationships here about how we're to live honorably among all men. Now, here's the problem, though. The problem is that we don't really pay attention to God's word, and so our actions are misguided. And what we see today, and what we're seeing today with the way Christians are reacting and communicating in our society today is actually a lot of misguided actions. So I'm going to point out two things here. Number one, believers find themselves negatively involved in cultural and political battles. Believers find themselves negatively involved in cultural and political battles. Okay, let's just stop for a moment. Would everybody agree, forget the church for the moment, forget that you're a Christian, forget all of that. If you look at the world today, that is the United States, would everybody agree that right now we are in the midst of a major cultural up and political upheaval? Does everybody agree with that? That's the news, right? Every day. And, and, and if you're like me, I'm getting older, and I'm getting older, and I don't like change, and I'm getting cantankerous. I'm like, is, it, is, is there like enough? Can we just have some good news for a while? It just seems to continue on and on and on. And just when you think one thing's over, guess what? Something else happens. But now add to that, add to it the culture that we live in that is the society that we live in that's engaged in these cultural battles and these political battles. And what happens is, is that believers are finding themselves negatively involved in these things. Negatively. You almost have to be careful what you do. So I remember, I mean, I remember the election in 2016. You know, when you have a church sign out here, and I used to be very faithful in change, changing the sign on it every week. Then I thought, oh, I'll do it every two weeks, and then I thought I'll do it every month. Now I do it every time Lori says, it's time to change the sign. Okay? So I went out there and put a saying up that I put up several times over the last 17 years. I even forget what the saying was, but I won't forget the reaction. I got an unmarked letter in the mail basically saying to me, you need to keep politics out of the church with your sign. What? So I went out to this, I went, I left the office and walked out there and looked at the sign and said, what is it about this sign that's political? The fact is, nothing was. But we live in a culture today where everything is seen that way. And we find ourselves, whether we want to or not, negatively involved in it. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Negatively involved in it. Having said that, let me just go ahead and tell you our position here at our church. Recognizing the culture that we live in and the political scene that we're in, we have chosen 
to publicly say nothing. We don't take a position here. We have chosen to be the kind of place where no matter where you are in the political spectrum, you have a safe place to come to and find Jesus. Because Jesus isn't on anybody's side. Do you understand what I'm saying? How do I know that? Well, do you remember from the book of Joshua? Joshua sees the angel of the Lord with a sword in his hand, and he says, whose side are you on? And the angel says, I'm on neither. I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. I'm on God's side. That's our position here. We want to minister to everybody. But the problem is, is we've gained ourselves in a culture today, a Christian culture, that is misguided in its actions, and we are negatively involved in the cultural and the political battles. Here's the second thing. We have forgotten or have ignored the commands to live differently. I'll be honest with you, I'm appalled when I turn on my news or I turn on Christian programming and I'm, I'm listening to people advocating for Christians to react violently or to react harshly and so forth. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, that is nowhere in the scripture. Nothing even urges you to do that. And that's the problem. And what's going on there? What's going on there is that we as believers have either forgotten, or I would like to say we haven't forgotten, we have chosen to ignore the commands of God to live differently in this world. In fact, we're getting ready to look at some of those commands right now. We've chosen to ignore them or we've forgotten them. And so that's why we're doing this message today. We're, we're wanting to know how do I live in this world? How do I function in this society? I know I'm only going to be here temporarily. There's more to this life than what it is. I'm going to be with Jesus, be with him forever, so I'm here temporarily. How do I live my life? Because I'm to live my life honorably so that what? God is glorified through my life so that others can see Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, that brings us to our passage today. We're going to look at verses 13 through 17. And he's going to talk about you and I as believers living in this society. So notice with me verse 13. This is, and people have a hard one time with this one. Listen to what he says. Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Can I ever say that again to you? Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak of vice for vice, but as bondservants of God. Wow, a lot of information there. Then, of course, he says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, let me just remind you, he is writing about a guy by the name of Caesar. And in particular, of a guy by the name of, are you ready for this? Nero. Who was pretty whacked out. 
Now, what can we get from this? Well, we're going to take these verses and we're going to see two things. We're going to see that we need to obey the laws. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to see that it's not an option. If you and I are going to function in society here, you need to understand that as a believer, you have a responsibility. And it is a God-ordained responsibility for you and I how we are to function in this world. So let's look at it together. First of all, look with me at verse 13. He says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Here's what he's saying, because this is connected to verse 12. In order to live honorably among unbelievers, we must submit to the laws. In order to live honorably among unbelievers, we must submit to the laws. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I've pastored for over 20 some years now. I have interacted. I've been a believer for 33 years. Some of the folks that I have met that are more apt to disobey a law or not pay their taxes, can I be honest with you, are called Christians. Just being honest with you. I don't need a building permit. I don't need to do that. I don't need to follow that ordinance. I don't need to pay that tax. The government's got enough money. I don't, they don't need mine. You know, and I hear it over and over again. You ever been to a men's breakfast? That's what you hear at a men's breakfast. Just being honest with you. Well, you say, well, everybody acts that way. Yeah, everybody acts that way. But for a believer, though, we're called to act what? Differently. We're to live honorably before unbelievers. We're to live differently, and so therefore we have to submit to laws. Well, you know, all the laws aren't right. All the laws are stupid. All the laws... Yeah, I understand that. Of anybody who understands that, Peter would understand that when he's writing this. He had to deal with laws that you wouldn't even think of dealing with today in our society. Laws that were written specifically against what he believed and who he was. But yet he says, but because we're wanting to live honorably before unbelievers, we need to submit to the laws. That one is hard, okay? That one's hard, but you got to realize it, okay? you got to realize it. Here's the other one. We bring glory to God by obeying the laws. You bring glory to God by obeying the laws, by buying that permit, by paying those taxes, by being a good citizen. You bring glory to him. Because notice what he says there, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Now what's the Lord's sake? God doesn't need anything from me, but what God wants from me is for me to bring him what? Glory. To bring him glory. And so the reality is, is I'm called to, in this instance, submit to the laws and bring glory to God by obeying them. Now, let me just stop. I already know right off the bat that's going to be like, well, okay, I'll try, but you know, you know, it's 25 miles per hour through town here, George. And I've watched how you drive. Or I've been with you, George. Why is it every preacher I ride with has got a lead foot? Yeah? 
But that doesn't mean we shouldn't. And it doesn't mean I shouldn't. Do you understand what I'm saying? And having pastored in town for 17 years, a lot of people who know who I am, maybe it isn't a good testimony to see me zipping along in the Yukon doing something bigger with the speed limit than I should, right? Right? What about you? How many people know that you're a believer? And you build something or you do something and people know that you're shirking your responsibility. See, we bring glory to our God by obeying the laws. And it's something that we need to consider. Now, why you and I need to do that is is we need to develop a proper mindset concerning government. Now, it's natural for us as Americans, we have an affinity to to be anti-government. Have you noticed that? It goes all the way back to the roots of the founding of our nation. Because when our nation was founded, we were rebelling against who? The king. The king of England and the government there. And we've been rebelling against government ever since. Do you understand? And so it's only natural for us as Americans to do that. But the Bible comes along and gives us a different perspective of government. The government's not here to ruin your life. The government's not here just to take your money. Let me tell you what the Bible says the government's for. Look at what it says there, verse 13. Excuse me, verse 14. Or to governors as those who are sent by him. Notice what it says. For the punishment of evildoers. For the punishment of evildoers. Now here's why you and I need to consider that we are being asked of God to obey the laws. Why? Because here's what he says. We must recognize the purpose of government is to punish evildoers. Punish evildoers. Have you noticed that? I mean, I've noticed it. I mean, it doesn't matter what party you're affiliated with or whatever. Have you noticed that when there is a lack of government in an area, there is what? Anarchy. But when government does exist and there are laws that are in place, there is order. And when somebody contradicts that order, there is what? Punishment that happens in our society. Hey, all you got to do is, you're like, okay, you notice I just left. I was on a trip, went over to one part of the world. I've been on other trips in part of the world. I remember when Lori and I were first married, we went to Kenya, East Africa. And one of the most exciting adventures we had on our trip was is that we came upon an accident in the road. And the chaos that happened after that. What do you mean the chaos? Well, two lanes of traffic then became 20 lanes of traffic with everybody trying to get around the accident, and they were literally driving up into people's yards to get around the accident. Do you remember that, Lori? How could they do that? What, I mean, what's going on there? No structure of government to enforce the laws. We would never think of doing that here, would we? We, we wait patiently for somebody to move it out of the way. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? We wait patiently for it to be moved out of the way. Why? Because we're used to having a structure where what? Laws are in place, and those who break the laws are what? Punished. That's what he's saying here. So as a believer, if you're going to function in society, you need to what? Obey the laws. 
Now that's verse 13 and 14. What happens in verses 15, 16, and 17 is he's going to explain to you and I now that this really isn't an option for you to decide to do. Because I can almost guarantee that this is going to happen. Because I know what happens. I was I just taught a week a bunch of guys about preaching, and my favorite line to them is, I asked them, I said, how, how long after you preach do people remember what you preach about? And people are like, well, a week, a month. I said, no, they forget as soon as they leave the building. That's reality. I know that here. But because of the topic, you might be talking about it later with, I can't believe George talked about us doing that, paying our taxes and beginning to Okay, so you might be doing that. And what usually happens with the discussion is, is that, well, not every law is just and not every law is right, so we don't have to obey them all. So it's not an option. It's an option for us to take later. We can decide whether or not to do it. Well, I'm, I've already anticipated that, and I think God has anticipated that, because look at what he says in his word. He says this, look at verse 15. This is amazing to me, because there's very few times in the Bible that it will come right out and tell you that this is the will of God. Look at what it says. For this is the will of God. What? What he just said in verses 13 and 14, submit to the laws. That's God's will. You don't need to ask about it. So here's some points I want to show you. First of all, the scripture, in case you're here and you're saying, well, what if they tell me to kill somebody? Or what if they tell me to do an abortion or whatever? The, what if, then I don't have to obey that law. And I hear that all the time. And I've often said, you're right, you don't have to obey that law. Well, then what ends up happening is, is in their mind, they think, well, I don't have to obey any of the laws. Whatever I think is unjust, I don't have to obey. No, you still have to obey laws, but the Bible assumes something. So here's the assumption. The scriptures assume that you will obey God over man-made laws. So don't even bother asking, what about if they ask me to do this? No, the Bible just assumes you're going to do the right thing. And you're going to obey God rather than man. So if you are a, a, a midwife who's delivering Egyptian babies and Pharaoh says to you to kill the male boys, you're going to obey who first? God, right? Just automatically assumes that. But with regards to everything else, you obey the laws. That's what he's saying. It's God's will. The Bible assumes that you will obey God over what? Man's laws. But it still doesn't take away your responsibility. Because not every law is unjust. Not every law is bad. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not every law. I may not agree with the laws, or I may not agree with the tax, but that doesn't mean it's unjust. I remember years ago listening to a Christian program on the radio. This is back when I first came here. So this would have been about 2002, 2003. I remember being downstairs, and I was listening to this real well-known Christian speaker, and he got on there, and he was talking about, are you listening to me? This was a Christian program, The Evils of the Capital Gains Tax. And I remember, because I'm studying, I'm working away at my computer, and I'm like, did I just hear that? 
A Christian program about the evils of the capital gains tax? Really? Really? That was bogus. I may not agree with a capital gains tax. Or maybe I do. I don't know. But that's not anti-God. Do you know what I'm saying? So the Bible assumes that you'll obey God over man-made laws. But when man-made laws have nothing to do with God or contradict God, you what? You obey them. Why? Because here's the point. It's God's will that we live in such a way that our lives silence our enemies. It's God's will that we live in such a way that our lives silence our enemies. That's why we need to obey the society rules. And this is why, can I be honest with you, why does Peter stress this? Because in Peter's day, Christians were declared as being two things. And this is happening around the world right now in some places in the world. They are viewed as being anti-society, anti-government, and anti-community. That's what was going on in Peter's day when he wrote this. That's what's going on in other places around the world. Christians oftentimes will be declared as those who are anti-society, anti-government, and anti-community for the welfare of the community. So to counteract that, he's saying to believers, don't let them say that about you because what you need to be doing is obeying the laws and showing yourself to be what? Productive citizens. So that nobody can speak evil of what you believe. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> he goes up one final point here. One final point I want to show you. He goes further because what happens is, is that now as a believer, believers can say, well, you know, I have Jesus. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Have you ever had that? You know, you're free in Jesus now. You're forgiven. You know, I'm forgiven. I can drive 50 through town. That doesn't work with the police officer when he pulls you over. Okay? I haven't tried that. not going to. But here's the thing. We must not allow our liberty to be an excuse for engaging our desires. That's what he's talking about here. Look at what he says there, verse 16. As free, not yet, not yet using liberty as a cloak for vice. We may have freedom in Christ, but that freedom in Christ doesn't relieve you from your responsibility to obey what? The laws of society. Well, I don't like the way society is going, and I don't like that they're doing this, and I don't like that they're doing it. Fine, I don't like half of what they do either. But I'm still called to be what? A citizen who obeys. Except when it what? Goes contrary to the word of God. Okay, so let me, let me wrap this up here. Because I want to get through this as much as you did. Because remember, I'm the one who didn't even want to talk about this. What do we do with this? 
Well, I'm going to bring it down to two things. We've talked about this the last time we were here. And we're going to talk about this when we talk about our relationships with our employers. We're going to talk about this with our relationships in our marriage. We're going to talk about this with relationships to our kids. You need to understand what you belong to and who you really are. So let me just say it this way. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not a Democrat, although you may be. You are not a Republican, although you may be. You're not an independent, although you may be. Or you're not a I don't care. You might belong to the I don't care party. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a sojourner, a pilgrim, somebody who's here temporarily. You are a child of God. Recognize that. You belong to God. And you are here temporarily. And you're to live your life, as Paul says, so that you could be at peace with all men. And you have a testimony. And you need to recognize that. You need to recognize that whether you're at the workplace. You need to recognize that whether you're at a, at a ball game and you're upset with the stupid call the official made. You need to recognize that when you're at Walmart and your clerk gets your order wrong and you've got the receipt in your hand and you're like, well, I need you to make... She tells you to go over to that long line over there and you're like... Ah. You need to understand what you belong to, the family of God, and who you really are. Your child's, you're God's child. So here's the second thing. You must live your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? That's the primary thing. It's not what your party affiliation is or isn't. It's that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, so be one. Live in such a way that people would say, you're different. There's something about you. And then one day, even if they speak evil about you, when Jesus comes back, they'll have to acknowledge, no, he did what was right. And that will happen. So live in such a way. Let me pray for you.